0: Hey, hey, Andy Neary here. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, think back to how you came upon this podcast. Maybe it was through a post, a share, or one of your own peers shared this podcast with you. I don't take any ads. I don't take any sponsorships. The only way this podcast grows is through word of mouth. So if you would be so kind to share this with a peer, with a teammate, with a friend, a family member, I would be forever grateful to you. This is how we impact more business professionals, and this is how this podcast grows. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, welcome back to the Bullpen Sessions podcast. I am excited today as I am joined by Megan Pepitone. Megan is regional vice president of Transamerica living in the greater Houston area. Megan, welcome to the Bullpen Sessions podcast. Thank you for having
1: me. It's the first time I think I've been on a
0: podcast. <laughs> well, we are going to introduce you in your first podcast to a large audience of people in this industry. Now, They may have heard Transamerica and go, all right, what are you guys going to talk about? We're not even going to come close to talking about anything to do with product or Transamerica itself. What we're going to talk about in today's episode is we're going to spend a little time on your sports career, and then we're also going to dive into how your sports career has impacted the priority you place on your health today, because I think that is a topic that goes underappreciated far too much in this industry. So you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Awesome. Well, you grew up in the greater Houston area. And offline when we were chatting, you mentioned that you had gone to uh the woodlands. You were you went to high school in the woodlands, which being a sports nut that I am, I know a lot of good athletes have come out of the woodlands. Yes. Growing up in an atmosphere, an environment like that, number one, what sports did you play in high school, and how did that impact your sports career? Being surrounded in, you know, by such a competitive sports environment,
1: right? Um, in high school, I, I mean, obviously, basketball took me to the next level, but I was a volleyball player. Um, in fact, my parents really put me in every single sport. It was golf. It was soccer. Um, it was softball. And then really when you're at a school, like the Woodlands, they, they kind of fight over you on, you know, who's going to engulf all of my time. So, um, there ended up being an agreement, I think between the volleyball and the basketball coach to, to split me and to share me, the soccer coach lost that battle. Uh, so I couldn't be a three sport athlete in high school. I, I had to choose two. so yeah, it well, was, uh, in, intensely co- intensely. Um, there was intense competition,
0: honestly. Yeah. yeah I, uh, at least you played two sports. I mean, you look at high school athletics today, it's hard pressed. You're hard pressed to find somebody who, who, who specializes in two sports. I feel like everybody right. today is a, is a one sport athlete and it's, it's amazing to me how competitive that has gotten. Yeah. Um, when did you realize, cause we'll talk about your college basketball career at Tulane here in a minute. When did you realize college basketball was going to be an opportunity for you? Did you have that moment, you know, where you're like I can do this? What was it? How did that come about? I
1: I was just almost happy to be there for the most part. I did not really have an aha moment. It was really just my parents kept investing time and money in AAU basketball and I just kept playing and um I think when I was, you know, freshman and sophomore those letters started coming in and those looks started coming in. So I said, okay, maybe I can do this at the next level, but I was just, I don't know, taking it one day at a time, just playing each game, having fun. Um, my, if if you go back and look at my 10 year old AU basketball team, every single girl on that team played division one basketball. And it's kind of crazy to look back at just how
0: competitive we were. At such a young age. It goes to show though you surround yourself with people like that, you're going to get better as an athlete yourself. Right. right? Right. Yeah. Wow. That's phenomenal. Every every single one. And and so nine and 10-year-old team played division one.
1: Right. And then we're not talking like, I mean, Tulane, I I love playing at Tulane, but uh talking Stanford, Baylor, Texas, Louisiana Tech, TCU. I mean, these girls, I was on the low end of the Totem pole on that team for sure.
0: What? Yeah, I, I played at Tulane, which was Conference USA, and I was on the low end of the totem pole of my nine <laughs> and ten year old team. <laughs> I'd be happy to say that any any day of the week. Yeah. Before we get into college, I'm curious. We're, I'm going to ask you about this because, yep. you know, you played in the early 2000s. Yep. And for a long time now, decades, we've there's been this fight for equality, right for for female sports at the collegiate level. Now that we have NIL, you know, the name, image, yeah. and likeness, do you feel yeah. like that's had a positive impact on women's sports at the collegiate level?
1: You know, I had this conversation the other day, um, at one of the charities that I was volunteering at, and, um, we actually had a news reporter there and he was bringing up the, um, oh my gosh, the fab five, um, oh my gosh. From Michigan,
0: Michigan. Yep. He,
1: he was talking about how he couldn't buy his own Jersey, you know, walking along. And I was like, you know, that was bad. But for me getting, you know, what at the time was a $50,000 scholarship, you know, every year for four years was a big lift off of my parents' shoulders. So I felt like any day was, you know, a blessing to be able to go to school for free NIL. Um, I think it would take away some of the ticky tack stuff that the, NCAA, I think tried to pin on people like meals with, um, um, donors and, and things like that, where it was just, you couldn't go get a hamburger with someone because it was going to be against the rules. But I think NIL, I think it's good and bad. I, I can't, I have, I've had arguments both ways. I think, um, the good programs are really going to accelerate, um, to the top because of it. I worry about like the mid majors um, when it comes to NIL because I still don't think the visibility is quite there yet. Um, but we'll see. It's not because I didn't have it. I think I'm probably more against it than um, for it,
0: to be honest. You bring up a really good point, though, that I don't think I even thought about. You know, I went to a mid major public university, so the tuition wasn't extravagant, but I had a full ride. Yep. And you had a full ride to yeah. a private school, which is a lot more expensive, where you're talking about $200,000 over four years. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I get it. The school could be profiting off your jersey, which is, you know, a lot of where this NIL came from. But don't forget the school's already given you a gift by paying $200,000 of your tuition.
1: For sure. And, and I think and this that's is hard. Important and my husband was a baseball player and he was not scholarship. So he had to earn his scholarship as he progressed through his baseball playing years. So it's a discussion we definitely had in our household, but I took every day as a gift. And when I was able to move off campus and get a stipend, I found a cheap place and was able to, you know, take the additional money and kind of plug it away um, for, for the future, honestly. I, I think I used some of that money to this day to set me up in my young, um, adult in my young career, really.
0: Yeah. I, I had athlete, I had teammates too, that were either not on scholarship or maybe partial Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. had to make tough choices because they had to pay for school and baseball wasn't paying for the majority of their tuition. And I had some teammates who ended up having to equip the, the team to go work because they had to pay for college and i right. um, very blessed that I didn't have to do that. And I think it is something that's overlooked. I'd be curious. I didn't intend to go here, but I'm going to go here. Okay. You no, know, if I asked you the question about NIL, uh, NIL's impact on female sports, you know, I haven't been following this Angel Reese thing very closely at LSU and I, again, I'm not close enough to make an opinion on it, but I've heard it could be grades. It could be whatever, but don't get me wrong. when I saw this, for those who don't know, she's probably one of the top players, top two or three players in, in college basketball. And she hasn't played for the last, she's basically been non-existent for the last four or five games. Yeah. My first thought, Megan was, uh, with all this NIL and probably people talking in her ear, is she just getting bad advice? And is that what led to what, you know, the suspension or whatever we're dealing with today? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? I I was just curious when I saw this, I'm like, Kim Mulkey, the coach is very hush-hush about it, obviously, but it just leads you to wonder.
1: Uh, I think, I think about that too, because I think when people get when that fame kind of goes to their head a little bit and again I don't know the personal situation I think Kim Mulkey's done a great job from a publicity standpoint of handling it but yeah you you begin to wonder like is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog um I think from an employer's perspective I think we see that sometimes now with employees and employers too where the employees been given a lot of power um So it's a different, it's an interesting dynamic, honestly, if you think about it. Um, But it's, I I think you're onto onto the something when it comes to, you know, her, her, she probably has a team of people that are going, maybe you don't need this, but
0: who knows? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's opened the door for us to have those thoughts, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think what you said as well, it's a great correlation to what, we see in the health insurance space, employees have a lot of power these days and when we right. build provide benefits to those employees. They're going to have a lot of this, uh, a lot more say than they used to. Yeah. Um, yes. all right. So fast forward, you're at Tulane university playing collegiate basketball conference USA. Now you were at Tulane from 2005 to 2009. So for doing the math, 2005 Tulane is in new Orleans, Louisiana. Yeah. Um, Hurricane Katrina what was that like I think that would have been your first year yeah what was it like going to college in New Orleans during that time so uh I went to
1: summer school before um my freshman year officially kicked off to get some credit hours get you know acclimated with the city I love New Orleans um and really we moved in and um you know we're setting up dorm rooms and my parents are there everyone's all excited And they're going hey there's this hurricane in the Gulf and the people that have lived there are like, there's always a hurricane in the Gulf in August. Um, so we got done setting up my room and they are like, Hey, it's actually, we need to go. Um, so really we got communication from our coach. Hey, go home, evacuate. Do not stay here. Do not hunker down during the storm. Um, I ended up going home for a few days and I was going, Oh my gosh, this is the start of my college career. What's going on. All my, all my stuff's in my dorm room. And, uh, about a week or two later, we get, you know, we were getting updates from our coaches, but, you know, scene wasn't as big still at the time. Uh, But we were getting calls from our coach saying, Hey, meet us in Dallas uh, because we're all going to go to Texas tech for the fall semester during hurricane Katrina as our, um, as our, you know, community and school rebuild. So that was a shock. And I don't think I realized you know until many years after that you know again we were just putting one foot in front of the other we were following coaches orders we were doing what we had to do um but I, I look at that at that as an 18 year old kid that's going to school and then have to uproot and go to another school that's you know in Lubbock, Texas, eight hours away from where I was um it was there was a lot of adversity I think that we overcame just because we were together as a team and like I said, we just put one foot in front of the other and
0: you know, showed up to practice every day, honestly. I wanted to ask you that, you know, you started your college career thinking you're going to a private school in New Orleans. You right. still did go to a private school, but it happened to be in Lubbock, Texas for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had teammates who had, you know, already been on the team for a few years. You guys go on and end up winning the conference USA 2007. Yeah. Do you think, how much, what impact do you think that experience having to spend a semester, I believe, in Lubbock together, did that have an impact on how your team performed a year or two later, ultimately winning the conference championship in 2007?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, honestly, uh, becoming kind of, when you're kind of away from, you know, your regular everyday activities, you tend to bond, I think, a little bit better. Um, so we had a really great fall semester coming together. And you know, when you overcome adversity with other people, you tend to have a little bit of a link together. Um, and we have a link together for for life. All of us became Hall of Famers because of that um incidence. But we we really stuck it out. Um, that next year, I think it didn't seem easy. It just seemed more fun. Um, that, that next year when we won the conference, uh, USA championship, I mean, it just was, when you go through all of that the year before it, nothing, you just go out on the court and have fun. Nothing seems as, um, critical, I guess, or, or, you know, doesn't seem as much of a mountain to climb over because you're, you're back in your home, you're back in your hometown, you're back in your home gymnasium and you're just showing up to practice every day, giving it your best. And you're not having to worry about like running into Bobby Knight in the hallways at Texas tech, or, you know, we had to practice at 6 AM um, just because that was the only practice time left on the, on the court. Cause you have, you know, Texas tech, volleyball, Texas tech, women's basketball, Texas tech, men's basketball, all going on. So showing up at 6 AM again, as an 18 year old, practice, full on, intense practice was
0: was not fun. I'm sure it wasn't fun for my coaches. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I went to UW-Milwaukee and we did practice in our own gym (laughs) and we still had to practice at 10 o'clock at night to get space in the gym. So (laughs) I feel those early morning, late night practices uh, that you felt, you know, you referenced that, you know, you're in the hall of fame at Tulane as member of that 07 team. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because when you look back at your college career at Tulane, you played in all 122 games of your four year career. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And I think what that speaks to is your ability to make sure you're healthy enough to play in all 122 games. Yeah. When you look at that, like, how much do you attribute to what you did off the court? so that you could make sure you were healthy to play in every single game of your career. Cause that's kind of yeah. unheard of. Yeah,
1: honestly. Um, I think it's probably one thing. My, my parents are most proud of me for, um, I think the first thing I, I would say without, you know, going into the health sp- aspect is I just had a really positive mindset. Um, I was always the person that was hustling. I was never slacking. And I think, whether that's in athletics or in life that your coach rewards you with playing time, you could be, you know, the, the number, you know, 10 person on that team, but they're going to put you on the floor because they know that you show up every day. And when they're looking down the bench for someone to choose to go in. So that was me, my freshman year. they are like, man, Megan's working hard every day. She's not our best, but we're putting her in. So I think that's how it was towards the beginning of my career from a health perspective. Yeah, I mean it's strength and conditioning. It's making sure you're putting the right things in your body. But uh, I'm not gonna lie to everyone. I was not. I'm probably healthier now in my mid thirties than I was as a um, you know 18 to 21 or 18 to 22 year old. But um, that being said, I think show honestly, I was rewarded for showing up with a positive attitude, with you know always hustling, always you know getting after it, it was never causing any trouble. I think that. I think when Lisa Stockton, who's a phenomenal coach, looked down the bench and she looked and saw me, it was like, okay, Meg, we're going to give Megan a shot. And thankfully that just happened in every single
0: game of my career. So that was
1: pretty fun for my
0: parents to see too. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a definitely a sign of resilience, which is, which is outstanding. And, and on a I, side note, it's kind of cool to see what's happening at Tulane right now at the football program. You know, yeah. eleven and one rep- probably will represent the group of six in the New Year's Bowl. So there's a lot of good attention being given to the school right now, especially with the football program. Yeah. Um, looking back now, you're in the ins- health insurance space. Um, what lessons did you take from basketball that you still find yourself applying today as RVP at Transamerica? Hi, it's Andy Neary, and thank you for listening to the Bullpen 10. Sessions podcast. Did you know the ideas shared on this show are things we actually specialize in helping 10. you implement? If you're an insurance professional and you want to turn your credibility into consistent client acquisition, visit CompleteGameConsulting.com and schedule a free strategy call. Again, that's CompleteGameConsulting.com. To request your free strategy call. All right, let's jump back into today's podcast episode.
1: Um, showing up, being consistent every day, um, doing the blocking and tackling. I mean, I, I was not the flashiest basketball player in my collegiate playing days, but um, and I don't think I'm the flashiest salesperson. I think I just show up consistently for my broker partners and our clients every day. That doing i didn't realize this now that i'm almost 15 years in doing the ordinary extraordinary well uh is something that i pride myself on and and i don't really think it's rocket science it's you know responding to people it's getting to the root cause of a problem um so i think just being that consistency mindset is showing up and doing the work every day and um again positive mindset you know being being a good a good teammate, being someone that people can count on uh, when they pass you the ball or when they say, hey, we're going to give you a shot on this business, just being um, being there to not let their, you know, to live up to their expectations,
0: really. Yeah, I, there's two lessons I've learned in the last couple of years, I think, that have had a huge impact on me to what you just said. Number one, be consistently good, not just occasionally great. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody can show up for, for one appointment, be consistently good. And the second one is successful people do ordinary things for an extraordinary amount of time. Right. And I think that's playing in all 122 games. Now, here's what I would love to know. This, this is what probably makes it even more intriguing out of those 122 games, Megan, how many of those did you start? Um, I think my, I, I started
1: half of my junior year games and then all of my senior year games. So probably, I don't know, 60, maybe 60 games,
0: but for two full seasons, you showed up, never started once appeared in every single game, but you kept showing up, right? I want everybody to hear that. Um, I think everybody today wants to be the star. And if they don't get immediate results, they're out. Look at college sports. I don't get the starting job. I'll just transfer. And I love that message of patience and resiliency. Um, Even though you aren't the star, you show up every day and get your job done. So that's awesome. You said something a few minutes ago. You're healthier today than you were probably as a college athlete. I, I feel the same way. I probably could lift a few more weights back then than I can do today. But- you and I talked offline. It's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the ep- on the show is what emphasis do you place health in your life and why do you think it's important, especially in the role you serve in an industry like health insurance? Yeah,
1: I think uh, my, my alarm goes off at 430 every day so I can show up to the gym at 5 a.m. I'm a mom of two, so it's while everyone in my house is still sleeping, I'm working out five to six. I think- showing up and being, looking healthy when people, it's hard because, you know, a lot of people, um, they've got a lot going on and I'm not, I'm here to speak for myself, but I know personally that if I show up and I'm looking like I take care of myself, that people are more willing to trust me with the business opportunities that they're going to provide. So if I look like I've got my stuff together and I'm organized and put together, and I think health has a lot to do with that. I think it just, that persona, I think it extends far beyond anything that I could, you know, say or do. It's just carrying myself with that attitude. And, um, I'm hooked. I'm addicted. I've been, that I, that was my, that was my thing after, you know, playing college sports was I had to find something that I loved to consistently do. And, um, it's been an evolution
0: of, And I'm one of those, I'm a, I'm a CrossFit lover. So we're going to get into some of your hobbies, um, uh, because I agree with you. I, I don't want to speak for other people because I know other people may have, you know, disabilities, things that do keep them from, uh, getting exercise in and things like that. But I can tell you it, my epiphany was when I, you know, I think, I think athletes in general college or pro go one of two ways. You get the people that were so driven as an athlete that when they're no longer an athlete, they just go off the wagon and you can tell <laughs> they no longer look like yeah. who they were. But you also have those, I think, that continue on and are just as driven. I, I To your point, I feel I'm more driven to be in shape at age 46 than I was at 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But my epiphany was when I realized about 15 years ago, I was always Healthy and I exercised, but not like today. But I I realized if I'm gonna go out and I'm going to look a an owner of a business in the eye and tell him or her that their insurance rates are going up 10, 20 percent because their employees are not healthy. Right. I better look the part. Right. No, right? It's just like a gym owner saying, You need to get in shape, and you're looking at the gym owner going, Really? You if they're not in shape, right? So Now let's talk about hobbies. You you were about to get into CrossFit when, you know, I think a lot of former athletes especially have to seek that. I don't want to use the word addiction because that sounds way too dramatic, but yeah. Yeah. that, that vice of what I'm going to do to stay competitive. Cause I, it's a mix of staying in shape, right? But don't get me wrong. There's also a mix of staying competitive, right? What is, you know, CrossFit, what has CrossFit done for you?
1: Oh man. Well, you know, I, I was, kind of killing myself at a 24 hour fitness, you know, 12 or 13 years ago. And uh a woman said, hey, you should go try this gym out with me. It's a it's a local CrossFit gym. Um and it was a woman that I just kind of barely knew. So I did and I was hooked because when you when you're seeing your name on the leaderboard or you, when you're seeing that list of names and you're seeing, okay, was my time better? It just kind of fills that void that I, you know, liked and enjoyed having during co- my college years. Um and honestly, the community that's been built around it, I mean, I work out next to, you know, general contractors and, you know, prestigious attorneys and business owners and the the community that it builds. Um, it kind of feels like you're a team, but also kind of, you know, it gets you exposed that everyone is almost at the same level in the gym when they walk in in the morning. Um, there's no like, oh my gosh, this guy owns a... You know he's the CEO of a you know multi-million dollar company, which is accurate at my gym. And then this guy, you know, is a pest control guy next to me. So it's it's the competitive nature, we're all cheering each other on. But at the end of the day, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I always like being the best. So it's it's fun for me personally just to compete with myself every day. I um, when I get a PR. Like I said, you know, at the age of 36, it's so fun because I'm going, man, I can't believe I'm still getting stronger, you know, and I look back at my 24 and 25 year old self and I'm going, man, if she would have only known that this was going to be the result, it's just, you know, it's fun. and, And I think the people around me is the reason I
0: show up every day. There's so many places I could go from there. One, you talked about that drive of hitting those personal records Cause your, your attitude is what else can I do? Right. I can hit this. What else can I do? And I tell our team all the time, our, some of our best clients are former college or pro athletes because of that right there. They only compete with one person themselves. Yeah. And I think sure. that's so important. You talked about working out next to, you know, the general contractor, the CEO of a seven, eight figure company. You want to build trust with prospects, break a sweat next to them. Yeah. Right. Now I do have to share this, Megan. I have a quick, funny story. So I did CrossFit for a couple of years before we moved to Colorado and I'll never forget my first workout. So the first workout I ever did when I came was included climb rope, uh, uh, rope climbs and butterfly sit-ups. I didn't wear the right socks to protect my shins and the floor in the gym was that rubber floor that you just stick to. So I remember coming home the first night, taking a shower. Amy looks at me. She goes, what in the hell? happened to you. My shins were bloody from the rope, the burns. Yeah. And because I'm doing butterfly sit-ups, I won't get graphic. I know your backside. Your butt is yeah. rubbing against the, and I, it looked like I was right. literally, I beat, I got beat up some, right. uh, somehow on the way home. So that was my first experience with, with CrossFit, but I give credit to, to the folks like you that are just gung-ho about it because let me ask you this. You and I are on the same page when it comes to taking care of your health. We have a lot of people in this industry, you know, we're weeks away from when this airs staring 2024 in the face. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of them are going to have health goals. Yeah. They probably realized, yep, I'm doing well business wise. Maybe the money's well, everything's going well, but you know what? I know I could be better with my health. What advice yeah. would you give them? Because they're, they're maybe not a former college athlete who is right. four or five times a week at the CrossFit gym. What advice would you give them if they're still at chapter one?
1: scale I get I guess the scalability really um I would say showing up finding accountability partners that's always key but I think people think that they have to be the what we our terms would be RX athlete when they walk in the door I think the most fun that I see because I, I coach one day a week over there is those athletes that have been scaled athletes that turn into RX athletes. Um, because everyone starts somewhere. And I think just having that mindset of like one day at a time, I'm not here now, but I'm going to continue to show up. um, That's the key. And I think from a, from a health perspective, there's a lot we could get into, but I think that which is measured is true. So whether that's tracking your fitness or tracking what you're putting in your mouth, um, it's going to say a lot about you realizing, wow, like I've gotten better from my fitness standpoint or wow, I'm eating a lot of crap. And, um, when you put a pen to paper on, or, you know, my fitness pal or whatever you want to use, and you see what you're actually consuming on a regular basis. I think a lot of people wake up and go, wow, like I, I need to start tracking this so that I can improve. Cause I think if you don't track it, there's no way to improve. Just like when I go look and see a old PR from 2018, And I look in 2023 and I'm going, wow, I can't believe five years later that I've improved this much. Um, so I think, I think staying consistent, staying consistent, showing up every day, but also tracking whether it's food or tracking, um, you know, your fitness goals, I think becomes a big part. And I think that would be my initial advice to anyone that's looking to get healthier in 2024.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people listening—they're really good at what goes into the business, being disciplined about what goes in their business so it grows. It's the same yeah. philosophy: be be very disciplined about the food you put in your mouth, yeah, and, and the and the sweat, the work you put into to making yourself better. You know, I'll tell you what—I surrounded myself over the Thanksgiving weekend with plenty of people locally. You know, people I got to hang out with who have this attitude, like it's almost like this whole hum. I'm getting older; it's just natural to get out of shape. I'm like, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. You don't have to get out of shape just because you're older than you used to be. Right. Right. Um, and we, I think you're a testament to that as well. As you said, you you feel healthier today than you did as a college athlete. As a college athlete, yeah. Now we we've got a woman at our
1: gym, uh, she's 72. And and she, she's not like she she's just a rock star in there moving every day, not making excuses. Um and, and we have some older men that do make excuses when they're in there so I'm like look at her and look at where you're at like she's not she's just getting it done and she's scaling she's older but she's still moving so she may not be doing you know heavy back squats but she's doing air squats or you know light barbell squats it's just everyone thinks that they have to be at this you know high level when if you consistently show up at this lower or medium level you're going to be
0: impressed by your results 100% 100%. My last question for you. I just put out a post this morning about this. My sister gave me a picture of uh she found this cleaning out their her house of me playing professional baseball oh and I put a post out about, okay, I was 21 here yeah. yeah, this 25 years ago. What advice would I give my 21-year-old self? So if you could go back and talk to oh Megan yeah. um sitting sitting, you know, Either starting in a conference USA game or maybe the early version of Meganette Tulane sitting on the bench, yeah. playing, but not starting. What advice would you give her based on what you know today? Oh man, this is hard. Um
1: I, I did know. not prepare I,
0: her, folks, for this question. I'm not
1: right. prepared. I am not prepared. I I think I think I would tell young Megan Vala-Civic at the time, I would say. Um, I would say lift heavier weights. <laughs> uh, I, I would probably just say, you know, I, I'm, I am happy with the life that I've built for myself, but I would just say, just continue to be consistent and show up. But, um, I would
0: say lift, I was, I was lifting baby weights as a uh, college. Athlete. I'll tell you what, I think what you prove though, is maybe you didn't know it at the time consistency to show up for 122 games that you probably didn't know at age 21, what impact that would have on you today. Right. 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 And speaking of strength, I just had this conversation with my parents who are in their mid seventies. You know, one of the biggest things, if you're listening and you're getting up in years, strength is important because one of the biggest problems older people have is when they fall, because it happens more when you're older, a lack of strength is what often causes you to break bones and things like that, which can lead to to a lot of symptoms that I've really leaned into that as I've gotten older. Strength training is more and more important than it ever is. It's ever been. Oh for women,
1: for women, especially, we're losing. I forget what the percentage is. I wanted to say it was like three percent of muscle every year. Um, so you need to strength train and you need to, you know, compensate, overcompensate with protein intake because we just naturally lose it every year as we get older. So if you're not doing that,
0: you're you're definitely doing your body a huge disservice. That's two, if you ask me what are, are two secrets I'd share, more strength training, more protein. Yep.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I'd agree with that.
0: It, Megan, if someone was listening, this was a great conversation. If somebody was listening in, they're inspired, they want to reach out to you, um, what is the easiest way to get a hold of you? cell phone, you can send me a LinkedIn
1: DM, email. I'm, I'm available through, I always reference, uh, oh my gosh, that there was a movie that was like, how many ways can you reach someone? It was like at the time, pagers were still a thing, but yeah, text, email, call, LinkedIn DM.
0: And by the way, go check out our LinkedIn content. You do a good job of, of putting in your passion for health into your posts. And, um, I did just see a Gentleman a couple weeks ago at the airport with a pager. So they're still around. (laughs) Well, Megan, I want to thank you for your time. I think this was a great conversation. Um, for everybody else listening in, I wanted Megan on to talk about health. You know, as we end the year, go into the new year, you're gonna create a lot of goals for yourself, but most of those goals are gonna be around finances and business. I want you to place as much importance on your own health, because if you're not healthy, none of it matters. Nothing else matters. So as we go into the holiday season, be careful what you put in your mouth. Enjoy the holidays, but also be disciplined. Megan, thank you. Thank you. For everybody else, be good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to today's podcast episode. Remember, if you found value in this episode, do me a favor, give it a like, share it, post about it, Go subscribe to make sure you get every episode from us every single week. And my only ask from you is that if you have anybody in your life, whether it be a teammate, a peer, family member, or a friend, please share this podcast with them. That's how we grow. We only grow through word of mouth. And I would be forever grateful if you take the time to do that. All right. Now, it's time for you to take what you learned, and it's time for you to go out share your message with the world. Execution, clarity, and consistency is everything. Be well.